I'd ask you to pull out the Bibles that are in front of you in the pews, or if you brought yours with you, turn to Colossians chapter 3. It's right toward the very end, Colossians 3. It's on page 1757, 1757 in the pew Bibles, Colossians chapter 3. We did a uh, series a couple years ago about the top 100 stories in God's story. This one should be in that list. So if it's already underlined in your Bible, Colossians 3, that's fine. If it's not, I'd like you to underline this passage. If it is, there's three words I want you to circle as we read it together. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness Humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. That's the first one. Bear with. Circle that. Bear with each other and forgive one another. Circle that. Forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive. Circle that. As the Lord forgave. Circle that. You. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, wrap yourselves in love. Put on love, which binds everything together in perfect unity. Last week I stood up here and I said, He is risen, and you said, Each week, before and after that, Christians are supposed to greet each other by saying, The Lord be with you. Because when we are together, the Lord is supposed to be there, even changing the way we care and relate one to another. Sometimes, though, that sounds much less like a beautiful song that we heard and much more like glass shattering or lives being broken. What happens when this beautiful idea, as God's chosen people, I use that at weddings all the time, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly beloved, I say God chose you for each other. What happens when that goes sour? At work or at home? With a friend? When those relationships go wrong and we hurt one another? And then what do we do? Well, it's easy to say we forgive one another, but that's just sort of a Bible word, unless it comes alive. Rich and I have both preached about forgiveness a lot. We thought it would be good for you to hear a different voice. And so I've asked Heather Larson if she'd come up and teach us. Heather and her husband Peter are uh, counselor, therapists. They have been in private practice and are are working as uh, teachers in the area of relationships throughout, especially in marriages, preparation, and counseling, but in singles and folk of every spectrum. She sees places where relationships is broken. She is the the mom of three wonderful kids, Adam and Kate and Anna, and it's a delight to have her here because she's got this one completely nailed. uh, We'll see. (laughs) And and so I I wanted to start with her by asking her, you know, when when do you have to forgive somebody? I, I cut somebody off, I don't know if I have to forgive them or if they have to forgive me. Somebody shoots my dog right in front of me, forgiveness has to be involved. Yeah. That's the spectrum. When do I know that I need to engage in forgiveness. Forgiveness is such a huge topic. And 
this morning, we're going to really focus, like you said, on that forgiveness in our everyday relationships and what that looks like. And God has put inside each of us this emotional trigger. When we have a need or a desire or an expectation that isn't met, we respond emotionally. And usually that, that emotional response that happens inside of us is anger. We, you know, we're mad. I didn't get my way. I didn't get what I wanted. That's usually the response. Sometimes it might be hurt or disappointment. But when we feel that anger, we can stop and ask ourselves two questions. Am I right or am I angry about the right thing or the right reasons? And then am I angry in the right way? Because we're never more vulnerable to sin than when that anger is really, really high. And I remember feeling that anger in our marriage really, really early on. Actually, it happened to be the first week of marriage. The the, the first Friday night, we'd been married, um, honeymoon's over, we moved to LA where Peter was in graduate school and I was a teacher. It's our first Friday and I'm driving home from work and I'm thinking, you know, he has the day off. I bet he spent the whole day thinking about me. I bet he has gone thought about a lovely meal that he could prepare. He's gone grocery shopping. He's probably set out our new dishes on the table and flowers and, you know, maybe even a bottle of wine chilling. I'm so, sure he did. I'm sure he did. Yeah. Yeah. So you can, you can imagine. I got home and the, so here's my expectations. The reality was on the kitchen table is a note that says golfing with Clint. <laughs> Every guy in the room has sweaty palms right yeah. now, right? So I'm angry. I mean, I'm thinking, what in the world did I get myself into? Who is this guy I married? He was so romantic before. You know, I hear that the romance dies, but like, here we are week one and we're already at golfing with Clint. But you know, I realized pretty quickly, you know, when I stopped to say, am I angry about the right reasons? I realized, you know what? I'm not. He had no idea that I had come up with this, you know, fantasy in my mind. And good for Peter that golf is a really long sport because he came home two hours later and I looked at him and I said, it is a good thing you came home when you did now because two hours ago you were in a lot of trouble. (laughs) So the first thing is that we just have that trigger inside of us that says, hey, I need some forgiveness here. I need to think about, I'm, something is not right. I've got that emotional trigger. The second thing is that we want to be people who forgive daily. If you want an environment where misunderstandings and mistakes, not only are they accepted, but they're expected because we're a group of sinners living together. We need to be people who are readily for, or forgiving every day, daily and often. And um, the reason is you maybe have heard don't let the anger go down or the sun go down on your anger. And the reason is anger is never buried dead. It's always buried alive. We think, um, whatever, I'm not angry anymore. And you mutter, but it seeps out. It's going to seep out either in bitterness or resentment. Even sarcasm can be kind of a thinly veiled anger. So really you want to let that anger out every day. It's toxic inside of us. The third thing about when we forgive is to know that we want to forgive readily. Think about when you ask God, you know, you come to him in confession. How do you want him to respond to you when you say, God, forgive me. I I didn't mean to do this. You're not hoping that he's going to say, well, let me sulk for a few days and hold this over you and make you feel really bad and grovel. No, he forgives readily without condition, if there's no timeline. So we want that to create an environment of grace and forgiveness in our homes. Can we make this less about um, 
preaching and more about meddling in your life? Can you think of somebody right now that you have a broken relationship with or that you're angry at or who is angry at you? Maybe God can use this to talk to you about that relationship and what forgiveness really looks like. And I say what forgiveness really looks like because it seemed to me when Heather was talking about you need to forgive, there's a lot of things that I do that I call forgiveness that are not really forgiveness. We need to figure out what forgiveness is not before we figure out what it is. So I asked her, what are some of the myths about forgiveness? There's some misconceptions out there about what forgiveness really is. The first one is that forgiveness is not easy. It is not, it's not even natural, really. We want justice. We want to get revenge. We want to get our own way when something has happened that we didn't want to happen to us. And but yet we come and we are forgiven by the, by the Lord. And so we need, just like in the spiritual disciplines where we have our part, and we're going to talk about what's our part and our steps, we need God working in us in order to be able to forgive. We really can only forgive to the extent that we have experienced forgiveness. You may have heard this around the idea of love, that we can love to the extent that we have experienced love. And the, the same is true with forgiveness. If you're a real prideful person and kind of see yourself as pretty perfect, then you're not really usually as um, readily giving out forgiveness to others or showing forgiveness to others. The second thing that forgiveness is not is that it's not weak. It's not that you're a doormat if you're a person who forgives. In fact, it takes a lot of strength and a lot of power to be a person of forgiveness, to say, I am going to be humble and I'm going to be compassionate. That takes strength and power. doesn't mean that you're going to not have boundaries and you're not going to set up some um, parameters maybe in, a new re- in that relationship, but it, it does mean that it, it takes power and strength. The third uh, misconception, I would say, is forgiveness is not always reconciliation. It's Mm. true. Our goal is to have a restored relationship, but it's not going to be the same. After forgiveness has taken place, that relationship is always going to be different than it was before. It may be, like, think about maybe with a teen where that relationship now has an opportunity to rebuild trust. Or maybe that there's a new boundary set in place so that you don't get hurt again. I've had couples who come and they talk about once they've worked through uh, forgiveness in maybe a major area in their, in their marriage and in their relationship, and they've confessed, this is my part and this is your part, and they've listened and they've loved through that process, that they're actually in a deeper, more intimate spot than they were before they worked through that forgiveness. So your relationship is going to be different. And the last one that I want to talk about is that forgiveness is not a one-time deal. You may think, ah, I forgave that person, done, check it off. And you see that person again, and you feel that hurt again, you feel that anger, and you may have to kind of go through that process of forgiveness over and over again with that same person. Um, Or maybe even that, you know, you forgave him yesterday for the wet towel on the floor, and then today the wet towel's on the floor again. So forgiveness is not contingent upon that person, not repeating that behavior or contingent upon that person changing. It's really a choice, especially in those relationships, like you said, maybe with difficult people. So maybe if you can think about maybe a difficult person in your life, maybe it's a parent or a sibling, might even be a child, 
or an in-law, a neighbor, a colleague, whoever that person is, that you're going to see over and over again. It's, it's a choice to forgive every day. And I think about a client that I had early in my practicum. And she came to me. I'll, I'll call her Sarah. She wanted to really work through forgiveness with her mom. She wanted a restored relationship with her. And her mom was not interested in participating in this. Her mom was not interested in changing at all. But Sarah knew she grew up just feeling like love was always contingent in her home on her behavior. She had to be perfect. She didn't have that home where that grace was, was prevalent. And she decided, worked through, you know, I'm going to accept my mom for who she is, love her for who she is. I know she's doing the best she can with what she's got. I want to honor her. I want to respect her. I want to forgive her. And in order to stay in relationship with her, I'm going to have to choose to forgive her over and over again in order to have that relationship. So forgiveness, whatever it is, doesn't work in the sense that it automatically changes the other person. Just doesn't happen. It doesn't work just once. You do it and it's done. But the Bible thinks this is so important that in the passage we read, it's repeated over and over. Bear with one another if one has offended you. If anybody has hurt you, forgive them. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. It's rooted in the nature of God relationships. That gives us the idea of a definition. I shared this with Heather that for me, Forgiveness has become a decision. Forgiveness is a decision to set aside past grievances, to wipe the slate clean rather than allowing it to contaminate the present and future between us. It's not overlooking, it's not excusing, but it's choosing not to let the past have hold against the way that we see the other person. It's not an emotion. It's a decision. That's not made once. It's made repeatedly. Now that sounds great. When Rich says that or when I say that and church people goes, sounds good. Then you go out and that person drives you crazy again. <laughs> so I wanted to end by asking Heather, if that's what forgiveness is, how do you do it? Yeah. How do you do forgiveness? Well, and I love the scripture passage today because God really spells out for us the steps of how to forgive people. In this letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he tells us this, the, the things that we're going to talk about this morning. And I want to share it with you in a story that I have um, of where I needed to seek forgiveness with my daughter, Kate. Kate has given me permission to share the story with you. She's my nine-year-old who is, um, if you see her around, she's always joyful and got a smile on her face. She loves people. She's very relational and creative and crafty, but she is not a detail girl. And this is a, a school morning. You guys who are young people at home, you understand you're, you've just finished breakfast. We've got the three kids. They know the drill of what they're supposed to do. Kate knows she's got the list. Brush her teeth, brush her hair, make her bed, PJs up down the chute, pack her lunch, pack the backpack. You know, you got it. And I'm now doing the dishes, got the lunches set aside. I'm getting myself ready, and I'm looking for Kate. It's five minutes to the bus. I can't find her. Go downstairs. There she is in the craft room, making a lovely card for her friend Lizzie on the bus today. <laughs> None of the things on the list are done. So here we have the expectation, the list, and here we have the reality. And you can see the anger in me just rises fast. And I can tell you, I asked, you know, didn't probably even stop to ask, am I right about the 
angry about the right things. Because, you know, here's the list, and those are things she has to do. That's her responsibility. But here's my confession. I did not get angry in the right way. I just burst out yelling, Catherine Grace Larson, what are you thinking? Get going. What are you, you, every morning I have to yell at you to get you out the door. Come on, get upstairs. And I watch her shoulders slumping before she starts running upstairs to start getting ready. And I'm huffing up the stairs and, oh, I can't believe she doesn't get ready on her own every day. I have to put up with this. Then I'm packing her lunch because I know that's not going to happen if it doesn't, if I don't get it done. And I mumble under my breath, Lord, please help me. Help me love Kate. Help me to be the mom who she needs right now. And please forgive me for my anger. Forgive me for not being the fruits of the Spirit. Forgive me for not being patient, for not being humble. And that's the first step. The first step is to forgive as we have been forgiven. Like we said before, you can't do this in your own strength. You need to pray. God in you is what's going to help you forgive. So God in me is now going to help me in this process of forgiveness with, with Kate and reconciliation with her. The second step is that I slow down, I take a deep breath, and I let God fill me. Let him fill me with compassion and humility, gentleness and patience. And the, in the scripture, it talks about clothing ourselves in these things. And that, in the, in the therapy world, we talk about empathy. And that is where I'm going to separate who Kate is from what she has done, or in this case, not done. And I'm going to attribute to her, she is a wonderful, loving child of God who he adores. And yes, she didn't do her list, but I love her and and I'm going to view her as someone who is worthy of God's love. The next step is to put on love. And I can tell you when Kate came in the kitchen at that point, it, is, it was not hard for me to put on love for her. I love her. She is my child, and I, I, I adore her. But remember, we talked about those difficult relationships or maybe a relationship where you feel like you have to forgive over and over and over again. It's really hard, or maybe a more you have to think through, I'm going to clothe myself in love. Right now, I'm going to wrap myself in love for this person because really, we have to be coming from that place of love before we can do that next step. The next step is that that is to bear with one another. And that's the hard work of forgiveness. That's where we're going to say, we're going to review the past. I am sorry, Kate. I'm sorry I yelled. I'm sorry I used words that made you feel little and small and ashamed and guilty. And I'm going to listen as she readily confesses to me, Mom, I am sorry I didn't work on my list before I worked on that card. I knew I needed to do those things, and I didn't, and I'm sorry. And that last step is where we can hug each other, we can forgive one another, and we can restore a relationship that's deeper now because we've gone through forgiveness. One of the women last night walked out uh after the service and said, I hated this. I said, why? She goes, well, because you guys had always talked about it, but now I know how. <laughs> and that was great. As, as, as we close, we want to do two things. The, the, the first is that what Heather has been outlining here, she and I would say, is for the bumps, the bruises, the hurts, the pain. Some of you have been brutalized. Some of you have been abused. We want to make sure that we don't confuse forgiveness with enabling sick behavior. 
This is telling the truth and not allowing the past to control the present or the future by the grace of God. Can we thank Heather? You can see why we thought it would be good for us to change our prayers of the morning a little bit and, and let God speak to each one of you. And I've asked Deb Manning, uh, who is for me an example of one of those who builds and heals broken relationships, to come up and lead us in prayer. As a community of God, we get to do this together. We get to cheer each other on. We get to forgive one another, and we get to pray for each other. And as I look at these prayer cards, and you can see there's a lot of them, I'm overwhelmed with God's amazing love for us. And these cards are filled with really hard stuff, heartbreaking stuff, and wonderful stuff, and joys, and sorrows, and illness, and surgery, and death and life, and broken relationships that need forgiveness. But what we get to do is we get to lift each other up in prayer. And over the next days and weeks, many people in this community of God will be praying over these prayer cards. And what we do know, what we do know is that comfort and healing, and peace, and forgiveness come from our God. Let's pray. God of compassion and mercy, God of forgiveness, we as your people, Lord, we lift up the prayers of our hearts to you. God, many here, their hearts are filled with Fear, sorrow, and pain. Some with joy and hope. God, we lift all this to the foot of the cross. And we ask for your comfort and your mercy, for your peace and your hope. God, we're broken people in broken relationships. And we acknowledge, God, that this business of forgiveness is hard. It actually makes my stomach hurt when I think about doing it. But we need you, Lord. We need you because we can't do it on our own. So we pray that you will fill us up, fill us with your unconditional grace and forgiveness so that we can go out and love others fully. So, God, we can forgive often and daily. In your precious and holy, holy name, amen.